Sir Desmond Sterling, The Coves in Black. Episode 7 It was the Major. Yes, the landlord of the Little Green Man, the hostelry which I'd left in a deserted state only this morning. His face was flushed a bright scarlet, and his clothes were sopping wet. From the rain, I presumed. Hardwick! I hooted, leaping up from my bath in astonishment. Scunthorpe began to apologise. I'm so sorry, sir. He, he barged past me. Oh, don't worry, Scunthorpe, I said impatiently. The Major is a chum. Bring us another couple of whiskies. Scunthorpe scuttled off. I say, Sterling, said the Major, don't let your bath get cold. I settled back in my bath. What happened to you? I asked. I returned to the inn, only to find it completely abandoned. The Major sat down on the edge of my bath, flustered, his tash twitching like an epileptic mouse. They've taken them, he said, in despair. Who have? Who are they? Who are them? Them. He pointed upwards and glanced at the ceiling, his expression a mixture of fear and fury. Aliens? I gasped. The Major nodded. They've got my Alvin. I shook my head in incomprehension. My lad, he drove the cab, the Major explained. I nodded, showing my understanding. If they've heard him, he said, getting unnecessarily emotional, I can't live without him. Well, yes, I agreed. A cab service is vital to the hospitality sector. A thought occurred to me. But why didn't they take you, old chap? I asked him. The Major absent-mindedly started stirring my bathwater with his hand. I don't know. We, that's Alvin and I, had had a disagreement about something. And I couldn't sleep, so I went for a walk. When I got back, they'd all gone. Everyone. His lower lip trembled. Not something I'd expect from a military man. He retrieved his hand from my bathwater. The Major shivered. You'll catch your death in those wet things, I said to him. Get them off and you can have a bath. Warm yourself up. He nodded and started to divest himself of his clothes. I was about to ask him to hand me my towel so I could get out when the Major, completely starkers, hopped into the bath with me. Obviously, I'd meant that he could have a bath after I'd finished with it. But the sigh of relief as he sank into the warm water silenced me. After all, I'd enjoyed the same sense of bliss earlier myself. And as a seasoned rugby player, it wasn't the first time I'd shared a bath with another chap. And at least he was at the tap end. The Major stretched out. Careful, old chap, I warned him. You nearly booted me in the family jewels just then. He shook his head in apology. I just don't know what to do, Sterling. I have to find Alvin. I can't even get back into the inn, as the science wallers have taken it over and cordoned the whole village off. Tell you what, I suggested. You can stay here tonight. Tomorrow we'll go to Whitehall. I have a pal who was in the government. We'll tell him the whole story. He'll know exactly whom to contact for the help we need. The Major sat up in hope when I'd suggested this. I caught a glimpse of metal near his chest area. Did the fellow have a pierced nipple? 
Wouldn't have been acceptable in my military days. Thirty days in jankers for a tattoo, never mind ironmongery. Probably the result of a dare or a lost bet. I wondered if I should get one. I can't thank you enough for all your help, Desmond, the Major said. Sir Desmond, I pointed out, although I'd rather you called me Sterling. First names when we're sharing a bath seem unnecessarily intimate. He nodded. I knew you were a decent man as soon as you arrived at the inn yesterday. Suddenly, the Major leaned forward and placed his hands on my shoulder. I say, Sterling, if you help me get my darling Alvin back, I'll even agree to that threesome he so wanted with us. Ah, yes, the hot threesome, the mysterious nightcap Alvin had mentioned. I'd like that, I told him. Unsure if I would, as, after all, I hadn't a clue what the ingredients were. At which there was a knock on the door, and Scunthorpe entered carrying a tray with two large whiskies. He looked somewhat taken aback to see the Major in the bath with me. I've had an idea, I told the Major, as we helped ourselves to our drinks. I say, Scunthorpe, I asked, could you help make up a hot threesome for the Major and myself? Scunthorpe and the Major looked at each other with horrified expressions. I expect Scunthorpe had no idea how to cook up a threesome, while the Major, an experienced mine host, didn't relish the idea of a botched threesome from the toothless retainer. Never mind, Scunthorpe, I said kindly. Just bring us another couple of whiskies, And top up the hot water, there's a good chap. Over supper that night at which he picked rather desultorily at his steak and kidney pizza, I had told the Major about my own experience at the hands, uh, claws of these dastardly aliens, in particular of the intimate rectal rummage. He threw his knife and fork down and said, Oh, Alvin won't like that. He's strictly a top. After that, he didn't eat another morsel, just contented himself with a regular flow of whiskey. I quite understood, and helpfully ate both servings of prune charlotte. There wasn't a spare room available in the club that night, so I allowed the Major to kip down on the sofa in my barracks. He had a disturbed night, muttering to himself in his sleep. Did they hurt you, my darling? was what I think he said. Let me kiss it better. The following day, both of us mildly hung over, which even a top-notch Abaddon's breakfast couldn't fix, I took the Major to see Nelly. I didn't make an appointment. I knew I'd be fobbed off by some harridan of a secretary. We would just turn up and demand admittance, or else there would be merry hell. I hadn't decided quite what form the merry hell should take, but I've always had a knack for improvising chaos. We leapt out of our taxi and marched into Billington House, where Nelly's office was situated. To my astonishment... The security waller at the door just waved us in after I told him our business. He didn't even frisk us. I approached the young girl at the reception desk. Now look here, young lady, I said firmly. We need to see Mr Nellington Dean, and it is imperative we do so, and I won't take no for an answer. The young lass smiled sweetly and said, Of course, Sir Desmond, Mr Nellington Dean is expecting you. She lifted up a red telephone receiver and spoke quietly into it. 
I stared incredulously at the Major. He just shrugged. He'd seemed very calm all morning, unlike his agitated self the previous evening. I hoped he wasn't going down with something. Well, not after we'd shared a bath. Would you follow me, please? The young receptionist said, and led us to a door which opened into a small ante-room. Wait here, please, she said, and someone will fetch you as soon as possible. She shut the door after her, leaving the Major and I alone. The room was brightly lit and functional, perfectly square. The blank walls were lined with chairs all the way around, like a quack's waiting room. This is all too easy, I said to the Major. Nelly's a top governmental wonk. You don't just walk in and see him. I had a mental list of places where we might find him if we were refused admittance. The Major smiled and said, You're obviously underestimating your importance, Sterling, old chap. Harumph! I was fully aware of my invaluable status as not just a best-selling writer, but also war hero, patriot and chum of the Duke of Edinburgh. But even so, I usually had to fight for my rightful stature in these ghastly modern times. The Major sat down on one of the chairs and crossed his legs, his relaxed demeanour very at odds with the distraught figure last night. His good night's sleep, at my expense, had obviously helped, whereas I now was uneasy, every fibre of my being coiled and ready to spring into action, despite the bastard thumping away behind the eyes. It even felt like my whole body was shaking with the tensity of it all. No, not shaking. Vibrating. I touched the wall. It was definitely quivering. Can you feel that? I asked the Major. But before he could answer, the door opened and another completely different corridor faced us. I made to leave, but the Major stopped me. Should we? he asked. I have no time for milksops, whatever their rank, so shook off his hand and left the room. The corridor in which I found myself couldn't have been more different to the wood-panelled entrance to the building. This was gleaming white, illuminated by hidden lighting. I could feel the waft of air conditioning. A sign on the wall read in large embossed letters, SHAFT. The A was actually a drawing of a small figure, not unlike the alien rotter who had kidnapped me. I say, Major, I said to my companion, who had followed me out of the room after all, I think we're underground. He said nothing. I ventured further, eager to explore more of this strange subterranean world. Before I could react, someone walked briskly towards me. It was a lass in the most unusual uniform. A skin-tight, light grey catsuit flecked with small holes revealing tiny particles of flesh. I tensed, expecting to be challenged, but she just nodded at me coolly and passed by. I stopped and watched her. Her outfit may be rum, but it suited her posterior very nicely indeed, as I pointed out to the Major. He just shrugged. We reached a door which was shut. Let's see what's inside here, I suggested, and without waiting for the Major's approval, or indeed disapproval, I reached for the handle. But there wasn't one. Instead, with a whoosh, 
the door slid open of its own accord. I stepped in, expecting to find an empty office in darkness. But instead, I was confronted with what appeared to be a large conference room, filled with a big round table which could seat about twenty people. What really surprised me was that there were actually twenty people currently sitting at it, all adorned in the same cat suits as the wench we'd encountered earlier. Ah, I said, and tried to back out of the room, but the Major was blocking my exit. Shift yourself, Major, I hissed at him, but the cove refused to move. Instead, he waved his hand over a gadget by the door, which then whooshed to a close. A door at the further end of the room opened, and in stepped Nelly. He too wore the same cat suit, although I can't honestly say it suited him as well. It wasn't designed for a middle-aged man with a paunch. You've been a bit of a nuisance, Desmond, Nelly said. And behind him loomed a monstrous figure, seven feet tall, eyes protruding on slimy stalks, several rows of pin-sharp teeth in its slavering mouth. Sir Desmond Sterling is written and performed by Anthony Keach.